So you're going to be at happier at home, are you? Crying into your karahi while she's posting selfies of herself in the mosh pit. Are they really that bad? No. No. No, they're pretty cool, actually. I mean, weird, obviously. But cool. Mm. Your shoelaces are undone. You see, it's just, it's just complicated, you know? I mean, maybe we've known each other a bit longer. What are you doing? Nicking your delicious takeaway for your own good. I paid for that. I don't care. It's a Karahi intervention. Go to the gig, you great numpty. Go on. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. Hello and welcome to episode 151 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street Catcher podcast that remembered that characters on the show used to look things up on Vogel.co.uk. Check to see who owned Vogel.co.uk and who owns Vogel.co.uk. I'm Gavin. <laughs> and I'm not ready for the Oscars. It's tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah. The uh, Twitter account formerly known as Ben Price fan page has been doing 93 days of Oscar Best Picture winner countdowns, yes. which yes. I've been quite enjoying. I haven't been liking it as much as I should have because I've been enjoying reading them, enjoying mm-hmm. seeing what was uh, what was nominated and stuff. And yeah. it's tomorrow. Yeah, I I've watched all the documentaries. <laughs> I've watched all the international films. I've watched all the animated films. I have not what I have not watched all of the Best Picture noms because I've been trying to watch all the free stuff first. Mm-hmm. So I haven't watched The Father yet. Which I think you and I would both quite enjoy. Um, the Anthony Hopkins and uh, Olivia Coleman movie um, about he's got Alzheimer's or something. Oh, the Rob Schneider movie. <laughs> he's up for some nominations, isn't he? Um, Rob Schneider, Polly Shore. No, no. So I haven't seen The Father. I'm I haven't on a different se- list. I haven't seen Judas and the Black Messiah, and I'm really mad at myself because it was free on HBO Max, I think, when it first came out, and I didn't watch it then because that was during the time that I was still torturing myself with Ozark. Oh, <laughs> that was your mistake. Which I just gave up on mid-season two because I'm like, I'm, mm-hmm. I really, mm-hmm. I, I really mm-hmm. just, I can't do this to myself anymore. Right. No offense to Jason Bateman. And He's not funny in it. <laughs> it would be better if he was. Even just like a little funny, because even Breaking Bad and The Sopranos had funny bits in them. Breaking Bad was very funny. Yeah. And they could have very easily, but it's just, it's so dark. Mm-hmm. It's so dark. And during this time in my life, I really don't want dark stuff. Nope. You know, which is why I've been binging old X-Men Cartoons with Benny. That's still a thing. Yes. <laughs> How many of them did they make? Because it's like it's on all the time. <laughs> There's that other show that you've been watching that you started watching one night at like four thirty, and you and Benny were still watching it. At like oh, Kim's Convenience! <laughs> right. We love Kim's Convenience. Just really. Watched the five hours of that one night. <laughs> it's so good. Canada makes the best sitcoms, and I stand by that. Hmm. Schitt's Creek, love it. Kim's Convenience, love it. 
That's all the sitcoms. How are you aside of that? Uh, you know, I'm all right. Um, oh, and I still haven't seen Promising Young Woman. Um, yeah, I mean, it, again, it's been kind of a quiet week in Lake Wobegon this week, hasn't it? It's been a quiet but smelly week in Lake Wobegon. Oh, or trees and blossom. You're gonna bring up the tree, yeah. And it's it's actually my allergies have been really really awful this week. I think I think it's affecting me. The tree smells are come. I, I had to. <laughs> I had to go and buy the Claritin that you have to show your ID for. <laughs> and it's a big tree, and it has a lot of blossom. Yeah. And that's a lot of come. Would you stop with that? But once you notice it, you discover that they're everywhere. <laughs> so mid Michigan, pretty much this entire week, the smell of come. That reminds me of a sock drawer when I was fourteen. I don't notice it, honestly. <laughs> I, I really don't. Oh, I mean, awful. my nose obviously notices the pollen mm-hmm. because my allergies, as I said, have just been really, really bad. But, you know, the smell is, it just doesn't affect me. I don't know why. I don't know what this says <laughs> about you. It's <laughs> good to be me. You don't have smelly cum. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> smells of that tree. <laughs> it really does it. It's a linden tree. <laughs> I think it's either a linden tree or a Japanese pear. Everybody keeps thinking that it's a pear tree, but There's it's no never fruited. No. It's never fruited. It looks like a pear tree. Yeah, never fruited. So Ugh. I think you might. I think we may be right. You may be right with the whole linden, or just like it's a decorative thing. But that tree has been there all the time that we've lived here. And mm-hmm. this is the first time you've ever said, I know. that tree smells like <laughs> semen. I noticed it last year, <laughs> but I didn't know what. <laughs> but it seems to have grown quite a bit in the last year. It's incredibly tall now. And it's covered in an awful lot of blossom. But mm-hmm. I smelt it last year, but didn't think anything of it. But, now you, but you, you hadn't dealt it. <laughs> walking to the car. Having to go by, I'm holding my breath. Again, it's Oof. not really affect affects me, and yet I can smell lots of other things. So I don't have the COVID. Right, <laughs> I just can't smell sperm for some reason. <laughs> what does that best. say about me? It's for the best. I remember the first uh, the first house that I moved into with my ex wife. I had a brown uh, <laughs> bathroom suite. So that hides a multitude of sins. <laughs> Which it did. That kind of similar thing. Hmm. Shall It'd we? Be nice. oh. It'd be nice if we had a bathroom suite. I when I hear bathroom suite, I think you know master bath. Oh no, this is just a bath, a sink, and a toilet. Oh, all right, never mind then. <laughs> it wasn't that fancy. No. Shall we be on with you? Yes, please. You've got a soccer game to get to. I know. Hence why we're doing this before nine o'clock in the morning. <gasps> Give us some of that. <laughs> Reproductive. (laughs) Give us some of that reproductive calling news. Co-op has extended its product placement agreement with Coronation Street. In addition to the storefront and shopping bags that are already seen on the show, the show will be adding 
branded delivery bikes um, to the show. And Corey branded food items will be introduced in the actual co-op shop. So people in the UK can go to the co-op and buy Betty's uh, hot pot right. or coronation chicken sandwiches, whatever those are when they're at home. Or maybe some of Dave's luxury crisps will be there as well. <laughs> oh, the luxury. The luxury. <sighs> Rana lives. What? <laughs> All my jokes for naught. <laughs> Bavna Limbakia returns to TV in the show Inside Number 9 on BBC mm-hmm. Two. She'll join a stacked cast in the Black Comedy Anthology show with Gemma Whelan of The Game of the Thrones. Oh, yep. And Shion, um Clifford of The Fleabag. So that it looks weird, but interesting. And have it, you ever watched it? I, I don't think I have. But it's an anthology show, so even if I had watched it, it doesn't really matter. I it think looks it's like, a kind of Black Mirror type thing. Right. But Only it's all funny. To, and all to do with the number nine. Or the number nine features in... Right, it's the number the number nine apartment or something. I think it's, it's the guys that did League of Gentlemen. I might be wrong about that. Hmm. It hasn't really landed here, I don't think. No. But I have heard of people talking about it back home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this seems like a really big feather in her cap. This is not... This is not reality TV or, or or hosting a game show or anything or, like that. Or canoeing around the country. <laughs> That's reality TV, isn't it? <laughs> I think there's a special category that involves canoes. <laughs> Wasn't it a yacht? Was it? I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> and those are the insights that you tune in for <laughs> each and every week, listeners. And finally... Bad news for Fizz, as the show has extended Ruxandra Borgnenko's <laughs> contract, meaning Alina Pop will be sticking around for a while. Yeah, she got an extension, and so did Daisy. Daisy. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> want to mention that. <laughs> and when when they mentioned that Daisy was getting an extension, I was like, well, she hasn't really done anything yet on the show. She's just kind of been... I'm not sure she's been in 10 episodes yet, has she? Tacked on, so... I guess. This, I'll tell you. You know, I, I'm, I'm just waiting for her to do something in the show. She hasn't she's been supposed to be like the, the new Tracy Barlow sort yeah. of. She hasn't been in it for a few weeks. And no. we haven't had a two-second smile feed of the week for a few weeks. Coincidence? I think not. Mm. Mm. And that's Corey News. A brief Corey News? A whistle-stop tour of it's Corey News. Three items, as it is every week. Our mailbag. <laughs> Well, Adrian says, wrote to us on Twitter to tell us, do not get your lawn rolled. Yeah, I saw that. Ever. But you know what? The lawn looks really good. It does. So, <laughs> and it looks really healthy. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like our lawn guy would, you know, roll it for no reason or try to cheat us out of money because he's that, well, a nice guy and uh, we've had him for... Everyone in the neighborhood's been getting the lawn rolled. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Adrian's uh, reasons, they seem to make sense. Mm-hmm. A compact lawn doesn't take water, doesn't allow gas exchange, makes it harder for roots to spread. And there are some weeds that love compacted soil, which will take over the lawn. The only time people might want to roll a lawn is if they've just sown grass seed. And all that does make sense. But it does look good. Our lawn looks great. <laughs> and actually, it seems like we have less weeds than we typically do this time of year. The dandelions aren't quite as bad as no, they were last year. No, not at all. So who knows? 
And that's the gardener's question time section of this. <laughs> we've talked about trees and we've talked about lawns. Kirsten on Twitter said, I can't call Corey anything other than ITV Corey now. I'm a fairly new listener and I must have missed the podcast establishing why you two call him that. <laughs> Any chance of an explanation? Also why Kelly and Rick the Chins? Thanks in advance. I don't think you missed the explanation. No. We, we tend not to explain. Because we don't <laughs> really explain it. I mean, Rick the Chin, I think I was the one who, when he first came on the scene, was comparing him to Jay Leno with the... Right. Massive chin on that man. I think pronounced jawline is the is the way that we're describing it. <laughs> so that's why he became Rick the Chin and Kelly the Chin. It's because Kelly is Rick the Chin's daughter. Mm-hmm. So Kelly the Chin, Rick the Chin. And ITV Corey is the Twitter handle for the show. Right. And we thought it was hilarious that the show, hilarious. Corey. Hilarious, we said. <laughs> the show, nicknamed Corey, would have a character named Corey, mm-hmm. who's awful. Just asking for trouble. What's your favourite nickname that we've done? Because we're coming up for three years doing this. That's a lot of a lot of nicknames. Scottish Vicky. Yeah, Scottish Vicky is my favourite <laughs> as well. <laughs> we didn't get a lot of use out of Scottish no, Vicky. No, I think, I think it was two episodes. Yeah, which was a shame. Because it all started when Vicky Jeffries came into the show and a friend, John Giovinacci, said... She's just basically an Irish Tina. Right. So for the rest of her stint in the show, we called yes. her Irish Tina and never yes. called her Vicky. Right. And then the second that she goes off the show, and I think it was Chelsea, I can't call Chelsea when a Carla's old Dawson mate. Right. She came into it and we immediately started calling her Scottish Vicky. And right. Then, because she looked an awful lot like Vicky yeah, and Tina. Close enough. Right. Only Scottish this time. Right. We're still waiting for Welsh Chelsea to show up. Maybe that's Rydian. <laughs> no. <clears throat> and then thanks to Joe who bought us our first coffees this week on Ko-Fi. Thank you, Joe. Ko-Fi.com slash the talk of the street. Mm-hmm. He also let us know that he approves of the new intro music. So you can shout us a coffee by going to Ko-Fi.com slash Talk of the street, and we'll call you out on it. Yeah, we'll say thank you. Well, thank you. And thank we won't you, even Joe. Say it sarcastically. No, we mean it. no, we, we mean, mean it. it. And we're drinking that coffee right now. I'm drinking mine out of my um, Eleanor Roosevelt mug, and you're drinking yours out of your. Welcome to Shawshank. Yeah, that I bought at <laughs> Shawshank. Shawshank. Only it's not really called Shawshank. It's the Ohio oh. State Penitentiary. Correct. Thanks, it Connor. Uh, blue, 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 blue. Squirrels. <laughs> Squirrel. Last week I speculated that red squirrels are threatened in the UK because grey squirrels eat them. Mm-hmm. According to Science Mag, not only do grey squirrels normally outcompete the reds for food and habitat, which is kind of what you said, uh, they also carry a deadly virus, virus called. Can you guess? Mad squirrel disease. <laughs> kind of close. Squirrel pox. Ah. Uh, Grey squirrels are immune, but when the reds catch it, they quickly succumb to the gruesome disease. There are no reliable estimates of overall populations, but greys likely outnumber reds 200 to 1. Hmm. Perhaps 135,000 reds live in Scotland and northern England. A fraction of earlier numbers further south, a few thousand persist, mainly on islands free of grey squirrels, such as Anglesey and the Isle of Wight. Hmm. And it's facts like that (laughs) that make people tune in. Yeah. I wonder I wonder week. I wonder if black squirrels are affected by Don't see very many of them. Yeah. 
we we get them in Michigan. Mm-hmm. For some reason, we don't get them in our town. But like, what? Oh no, town I saw over. one. I saw one in in town this week. Really? Mm-hmm. They're all over Lans- Lansing, and um, down in um, Olivet. Right. Yeah, I like the black squirrels. They're fun. <laughs> they know how to party. <laughs> they do know how to party. And now this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Year Tonight. With me, John Oliver, just enough time to quickly talk about Nozzle in the Bottom. Did somebody have hemorrhoids that week? That's right, this was Johnny teaching Carla how to pull a pint. Nozzle in the bottom, nice firm pull, he said. I was Gavin and you were sipping a mimosa. Ooh. It was our 100th Back episode. Back we used to drink alcohol. <laughs> it was our 100th episode and we were day drinking. Oh, that's right. That's why we were drinking mimosas. Yeah. Because we were celebrating. You Celebrate. broke out the um, the water for crystal and everything. So we were... Timbot4000 uh, says who eats chili con carne <laughs> without rice. Wake up, Timbo. <laughs> or go back to sleep. We're like... Yeah, we were, we were starting to find our way in the world of a pandemic. It's an incredible week for Asha, not necessarily in a good way, and poor Dave has come to the realisation that he's not raising no teenagers in the 1980s. Another three episodes in It's them. really sad that this continues to this day. Right. I, with, I'm really tired of it. With brief daylight. Yeah, really tired of it. It's a bit Ozark. <laughs> it's a bit Ozark. It is a bit Ozark. Another three episodes in and we still have no clue what the connection is between Johnny and Scott. And it doesn't look like we're about to find out as Johnny goes off to burden Eva with his presence for the next few weeks. And Eva's away for months. Ever. And we never found out what Scott was all about until he came back. Yep. Months later. Yes. And then when we found out what Scott was all about. We were like, oh, fuck this. It's a bit Ozark. We wished that we hadn't. The Shady Acre storyline drags itself to an unsatisfying conclusion and Ken drags himself back to number one while poor Eccles is memorialised through the medium of art. Aww. Sally's got her heart set on a £2,000 wedding dress and currency not weight that Tim seems to think can be covered by the sale of a small horse. Aww. I think that might have been the last that Tiny was ever mentioned. Yeah, because he sold poor Tiny. Yasmin falls out with Kathy and Tim's dad is determined to get his hole. Nina calls kids Stranger Things. Moment of the week was Mary confronting Tracy about being hypocritical, hypocritical towards Asha after the teen party. Mm-hmm. And boring moment of the week was the election at Shady Acres. That's our Tracy. Mm-hmm. Hypocritical to her core. Right. Though we didn't really see much of her this week. No. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. Shall we dive yes, in? Yes, please. My dear. Yes, please. Let's do this thing. We open this week with Good Cop Craig. (laughs) By the end of this week, Craig becomes the Secretary General of the United Nations. (laughs) Boutros, Boutros, Gali. PC Tinker. And then he'll later go on to be Captain Britain. You still think he's gay. <laughs> On Monday. Well, it, you know, the tights. It's the right and the pants <laughs> on the outside. 
it's the it's the day of face sentencing and she's all zen about it despite Craig's attempts to get her stressed. He has to leave because he has just been appointed head of the Metropolitan Police Force. Then Tim comes down the stairs with Discovery to discover that Faye has backed up her computer and is cancelling her phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's ready to cut ties for a year. Yep. And Tim hopes the judge will see Ray Weinstein for what he really is, forgetting that Faye is being sentenced for twatting Adam. It's got nothing right. to do with yeah. Ray. This is, this is the thing, you know. It's like... I mean, I guess it has a little bit to do with it because that was her motive mm-hmm. and it was an accident because she hit the wrong guy, but she still hit a guy. Yep. You can have the longest explanation of this that you like, but at some point you're going to have to say, but still, mm-hmm. and then explain that she twatted Adam. Yeah. No matter what the reason, right? she did it. Yeah. So while yeah. it's a little mitigating... It's not going to get her off, I don't think. No. In the pool hall, Gary's suited and booted, ready for Faye's sentencing for Twat and Adam, and his sentencing for whoever it was that he did again, and I couldn't remember for the life of me what it was. Uh, he he perverted, perverted the justice, justice, yes. By trying to get rid of the... By, by trying to get rid of the yeah evidence and by pretending that he did it. That was it. Yeah. Johnny's there to give some moral support, sporting of. Very Brian Blessedy beard. Yeah, yeah. He suits it. He suits it. He's got over his blindness by the looks of things. Yes, and, and his hallucinations. Right. Just cleared right up. Fantastic. He's wandering around prison carrying a pool cue like it isn't an offensive weapon. Gary tells Johnny to look after himself. I guess he's thinking that he's going to get out. Meanwhile, Craig is meeting Kirk and Roy's roles. Craig has written his letter of resignation but can't decide whether or not to hand it in. Kirk asks what Faye thinks of this and Craig lies and says that she will support his decision because she's a 1950s housewife. Whatever that is, although this is his dream job, as in he dreamt that he's being offered it, he can't let down Faye if her being in jail for twatting Adam prevents him from getting on. Then you're letting yourself down, says wise Kirk. Yeah, seriously, Kirk is so wise this week. Well, in that moment. Well, it, this is not the only moment. Kirk has at least two moments of wisdom this week. He does? Yeah. Oh, one of them didn't look like it was going to be a moment of wisdom, but I guess right. it was. It, yeah, it was an off-screen moment of wisdom. Mm-hmm. For some reason. Later, Kirk tracks Faye down as he's trying to get out of, as she's trying to get out of her phone contract. He tells her about Craig giving up his job with the police because he can't do that and her at the same time, given that she's a crim. Faye had no notice of this. He's given up a lot for you, says 1970s Kirk. 1970s. This is really, no matter which way he goes, this is really going to limit Craig's social life and sex life on the street if he can't date anyone who's ever been in jail. (laughs) Right. Because, uh... The Baileys haven't been in jail yet. No, but um, it used to be that though even associating with people with bad credit history would be a would be a mark against your name. Is there anybody else on the street besides the Baileys who haven't been in jail yet? Alina Nina hasn't been. Nina hasn't been. Nina's been arrested though. Wasn't she arrested for protesting? Yeah. Yeah. Because Imran got her out. Right. That's right. Or weren't weren't they really not arrested? They insisted that they should be arrested. 
I thought somebody chained somebody to something to to a policeman, maybe. Yeah, something like that. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. So back home, Craig comes to pick up Faye and take her to court, but Faye has a better idea. You're dumped, she says. Detective Craig works out that she's been speaking to Kirk. He insists that this is his decision to make. She reckons (laughs) it's, it's bad enough he's waiting for her, but he's going to be doing so without a job. He says he loves her. That's why I'm dumping you, she says. Because I love you too. At court, Gary joins Faye in the criminal section. I guess there's a a better name for that. The criminal section? The little criminal section for the criminal criminal box. The crime box. No, Craig, he observes. Penalty box. And she lies and says that he couldn't make it. Also doesn't look like Maria has shown up neither. Nope. Because Maria is in the rovers. Emma's chatting to her about Gary getting sentenced and Maria can't work out whether she should go. Emma says, you'd go if you loved him. So Maria stays put. But, <laughs> but Craig, who's been eavesdropping in the pub on all this, right. grabs his jacket and leaves. Back at the court, Gary gets eight months for perverting the course of justice, but the judge gives him time served on remand and he's free to go. Cheers, says Gary. And then Craig bursts in to learn that Faye has been given three years Gary does his best to get done for contempt and Tim looks like he's going to twat the judge. The judge, and his summing up, mm-hmm. really went round the houses, which they always do. Right, and, yeah. it, and it's it's true, it's, it's mm-hmm. reflective of what happens. But right. it, it kind of looked like... He was going to be lenient. Right. Because, you know, Adam wasn't pressing charges and... You've, you've pled guilty, which stands you in good stead. Right. You, right, Adam didn't want to press charges. Right. Realised it was mistaken identity. Right. But this whole Ray thing, we can acknowledge that it exists, but we can't take it into account. Right, because he hasn't been... He was still yet. on trial and yeah. innocent until proven guilty, etc., right. etc. So all this is going on, and you're thinking that she's going to get that year after all. The only reason that you think that she's not going to get a year is that they've spent the last couple of weeks saying that she's going to get a year. Right. And then he just pulls the rug. We have to make an example of you. You can't go around twatting Adam with a award from a from a bistro. Three years. That made me chuckle. <laughs> Outside, Sally, Tim, Gary, and Faze Barrister assess the options. They can appeal, but doing so before Ray's trial will be risky. Yeah. But there's such a backlog that this that the case might not happen for a year. Yeah, they acknowledged the pandemic, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Ray's case might not be heard in a year. Face kind of go well. I guess she's pled guilty, so there's not really a case to be had. Right. Yeah. If Ray changes his plea, it might change things. It might change things, and this is all Gary needs to hear. And he storms off. Back in the Rovers, Craig is pissed at Kirk, thinking that Kirk talked Faye into dumping him. And Kirk points out that Craig lied about having her backing. If Craig wanted him to lie, he should have said so. Right. <laughs> that was <laughs> again, again a pearl of wisdom. Mm-hmm. 13 minutes out of jail and Gary's sitting in Debbie's bistro office with the lights off. (laughs) (laughs) She shits herself when she comes in. Nice to see Debbie. She's learnt about Faye and wishes there was something that she could do. There is, says Gary. Call Miles. Get him over here. Tell him it's in his best interest. So she gets on the phone while Gary goes to uh, to a box in in a safe in the furniture thing and retrieves what looks like a gun. We're meant to think that's a gun, right? Right, yeah. Just as Maria comes in. Uh, she wants to know what he's got planned about Faye and urges him to be sensible. Gary tells her it's none of her concern anymore and tells her to leave. 
So Debbie has successfully lured Michael. Debbie has successfully lured Miles into the bistro. He needs some sun. He really needs some sun. Only he doesn't. Cause he's, he's so Irish. pale. <laughs> Scottish. Is he Scottish? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Scottish well, minds. yeah. So again, he needs to stay out of the sun. She leaves him with Gary, who didn't have a gun after all. It was money, and he offers Miles five <laughs> grand. Five grand today. Ten grand to come if he can get Ray Weinstein to change his plea. And Miles basically laughs in Gary's face, calls him an amateur, and leaps. Yeah. A gun would have been better. <laughs> right. And also, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what bit of the money he was holding on to when he took it out of the safe that made it look like a gun. Was it the barrel of the money? Because <laughs> that money had a handle when it was in the bag. Yeah, it looked like it had a trigger as well. <laughs> so, the, I'm, I'm not entirely against I'm, misdirection No, but was, no, I was going to say I'm, I, Neither am I, but At least make it look believable <laughs> Maria sees this and follows Gary back into the bistro She tells him that he does need to fix everything And they should wait on the appeal Oh, this is after Gary runs out and starts beating on Miles's car Right, I forgot that part Still while Miles just continues to laugh at Gary For being right. such an absolute like, Gary, yeah, this is really going to help your sister Gary, who is the supervillain, let's not forget. Mm. So yeah, Gary running about and doing shit like this is why uh, she and him didn't work out. If I stopped doing it, we'd have a chance, he asks. (laughs) And she walks out without answering. He's like Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. Despite in another story telling Tyrone that the worst thing is letting people think that there's hope when there is none. So Maria's kind of operating Mm. with a... Slightly hypocritical here. Mm. On Wednesday at number four, it looks like Gary has eased back into life on the outside by Maria getting... Maria hypocritical? No. no. Gary has eased back into life on the outside by getting his whole of a Tim. <laughs> what? Well, they're lounging about in their house coats and <laughs> looks like something's <laughs> happened. That was hilarious. I love the, just the two of them just sitting in that living room. And Gary looks like he's in like Sally's robe. Mm. One of them is. Because <laughs> it's blue with white polka dots. That's not Gary's robe. Where do you find that thing? They're supping tea and wondering what's to be done with Faye getting bind up for three years. Then Kurt gets a hold of Gary outside the knicker factory and talks him into doing what he can to get Craig and Faye back together again. Gary's reluctant because Craig is the filth who arrested them, but Kirk reminds him that he also saved Faye's life, so Gary agrees. Well, he's not trying to get them back together necessarily. I was confused. But he just he wants him to talk to Faye and talk Fa- and get Faye to talk Craig out of resigning because he's still going to resign from the police force even though she dumped him, so that he wouldn't resign from the police force. Mm-hmm. She's determined to resign. Right. Come hell or high water. Right. Yeah. So maybe he's realized. What the audience has known all along. He's a terrible cop. Later, Gary's getting a hard time. Oh, there's that alarm. I still haven't stopped that alarm. Mm. Later, Gary's getting a hard time from phone Izzy for not visiting Jake or Zach or whichever one that she has. I think it's Jake. It's Jake. Faye twatted Adam and tried to kill him, says phone Izzy, and she's still your priority. So phone Izzy's got some beef here all of a sudden which reminds Gary to go and visit Faye in jail it's nice to see Izzy though isn't it on the phone with a flamingo behind her 
That's, that's got to be like her actual house, right? With the flamingo. I don't know. Because this is the only way she can be in the show. It's on an iPhone at the moment because she's still shielding. Faye is remarkably cheery for her first day and night behind bars, calling it college with bad food. Gary carefully segues into how Craig is a good bloke and he's still quitting the police, which pisses Faye off no end. And Craig, he's on his way to resign when Faye calls him. She tells him that she loves him, but he can't quit and he can't get in contact with her while she's inside. No calls, no letters, no visits. But when she gets out, if he's still heterosexual and hasn't met someone else, then they can be together. But if he quits, the deal's off. Craig promises to be there at the gates when she gets out. She tells him with that she gay, loves him again. With his gay husband. And then, <laughs> and then an elaborate I don't know why, and then hangs up. So Craig doesn't quit and apparently is going to be CID now. <clears throat> Later, he and Kirk are catching up and Craig, because he's a detective now, has detective smarts and he's worked out a loophole to Faye's conditions and reckons so long as it's Kirk who posts the letters to Faye, it won't count. Uh, yeah, because he's going to sign it, Kirk, as well. <laughs> There's still going to be these physical letters So Faye's going to be love reading Craig. These, so Faye's going to be reading these letters and going, so I have options now. <laughs> Don't tell Beth. <laughs> that, I think, is uh, kind of a... Uh, what would you call it? Uh, a horsey ride? No. <laughs> It's something that features in every script that Kirk has a line in. It's don't tell Beth. Oh, yes. It's like a constant. Yes. In fact, he says don't tell Beth about something this week. He says don't tell Beth to, to Gary. Oh, yes. For some reason. Just Beth is a real tinderbox when it comes to information that's right. happening. Even though she hasn't physically been in the show in months. Right. Which is fine. On Friday, Gary, who doesn't work at the factory, turns up at the factory where his sabotage caused Rana's death and asks Sarah if she can do anything to help phone Izzy, who's struggling a bit at the moment. Maybe throw her some part-time work-at-home stuff. And along comes Kirk, who gleefully announces that he had a solution to this whole COVID thing months ago, but the government weren't interested. We're all ears, says Gary. And so are we. But then it cuts <laughs> to another storyline, and we never hear... We never hear... Kirk explain this stuff. Right, which I think is the is the funnier option there. Is it? Because mm-hmm. wouldn't it be hilarious if Kirk actually did have a solution to all this? But he did. He's he's the one who has the solution for Izzy. Yeah, but that's he didn't write to the government about that. Yeah. He wrote to the government about Izzy? Well not about Izzy, but about uh, ways to help people work from home in a clean way and stuff. This is Kirk's idea. So that's basically it. Yeah. Sarah calls Phonazy and says that they'll be sending her a machine and some fabric because that totally makes sense. Big bulky fucking machine going to go into Izzy's flat. Well, it's not... Sewing machines aren't that big and bulky. It takes up a fair amount of space at the factory. Do they still do sewing anymore, though? That was my question. They do. It's in, like, the back room. Because I thought it was a fully a, a distribution and packaging enterprise now. No, they're Wasn't back- that the whole point? No, I think they're back to sewing some stuff because remember when Sean had his headphones in and there was a woman, he was sewing. For the first time we saw anybody sewing in And months. the woman behind him was sewing as well in another room with her headphones in. Gary, who's again a supervillain, is playing hide and seek with the ghost of a young boy at the furniture thing when Maria shows up with donuts. 
The two of them share some pleasant banter, then Gary gets a call from Phonizzy, want to speak with Jake. And when Gary goes off to get him, we see Phonizzy is, is in some pain, yeah. trapped in the phone. Yes. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Yeah. I don't think they're going to get Faye out, because she's guilty. So I don't know what they're going to appeal. They're appealing the length of the sentence, I guess. But Right. But they have to wait for... They have to wait for Ray's trial to do that mm-hmm. or somehow convince Ray to plead guilty, which Ray's which never going happen. to do. Right. Like when they were like, oh, hopefully Ray will see the light and <laughs> plead guilty. And it's mm-hmm. like, really, guys? Because he really? has a history of doing the right thing, doesn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. <sighs> There's kind of been a revolving door on that prison, yeah. hasn't there? Because mm-hmm. Johnny is still in. Yep. Gary just got out and Gary was in there for months. Gary was in there for long, quite some time. Long time, yeah. So, um, so it works on the show. You know, it works. It, every few weeks or something, we'll get Faye making a phone call, or maybe there'll be a storyline with Faye making friends in prison the way Sally did with Abby and stuff. There's stuff they can do in prison. Mm-hmm. So that's not her like off the show, off the show. No. Maybe you know, her eyesight will go. <laughs> She'll start hallucinating cats. Mm-hmm. Mm. And Aiden for some reason. <laughs> Why am I seeing Aiden? I'm really sorry. But the the whole Faye Craig thing, it just it doesn't Is it working now? It doesn't work. It still doesn't work. They're like saying I love you to one another and there's like no passion behind it. There's no And both of them are good actors. Mm-hmm. But if there's no chemistry there. Even the best actor is just going to fall flat in a storyline like this. You know, we and we see the opposite of this with the whole Seb and Nina thing. It just shines a stronger light on it. The fact that they do have a new couple that do have bundles of chemistry. Right. And really work with one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's unfortunate that this has happened at the same time. (laughs) Right. But, um, and just makes you realize just how what a blessing it was that the Nina and Asha thing didn't last for very long. Yeah. You know, even though we, we now mourn the loss of any sort of sapphic storylines in this show, mm-hmm. chock full of homosexual men. This has become a real theme for you, isn't it? It did. It, it doesn't bother you until you realize it's there, you know, <laughs> Because what's the neat whole Nina and Asha thing happened? It was like, yeah, wait a second. They've killed off or shipped off every lesbian and bisexual woman on the street, except for Tracy, who the jury's still out there. I think, I think, I think the jury has come back to say that she's straight again. Well, she could still be bisexual and married to Steve. Mm-hmm. But I think but, that whole thing is, is, is now a closed book. Right. It's like, ha, ha, ha. Wasn't it funny when we made Tracy sleep with a woman? Right. Wasn't that hilarious? Right. And now it's over. Right. And that's kind of seems like how they did with the whole Nina and Asha thing. And it was kind of what I was worried about with the whole Nina and Asha thing. And then I was like, you know what? It's fine because she's worked so much better with Seb. But anyway, we're talking about Craig and Faye. <laughs> <coughs> but it's hard to talk about Craig and Faye and not end up talking about something else. Right. And then that's basically the yeah. problem. And, you know, this gives Faye something to do. 
It makes her interesting. Being offshore and not well in a prison line. and having story, prison storylines. I'm not sure we're going to see prison storylines for her. I think she's just going to be out of it for about a year. Who knows? I mean, with COVID and stuff. I mean, there are characters that we haven't seen for months and months and months, and you don't realize it until they come back or somebody mm-hmm. mentions their name. Like it's really nice to have Rita back this yeah. week, and you're like, oh God, we haven't seen Rita in ages. Right. It's so nice to have her back. You know, and every time Beth is mentioned, it's like, oh, that's right. We haven't actually physically seen Beth in forever. Mm-hmm. But if we keep on mentioning her right. and draw attention to that fact, nobody right. will notice. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Our Flying next storyline today is Peter's lover. Just a few scenes about this on Monday. They've done a really good job with his makeup, by the way. I've been saying this. Haven't I been saying this? I've been saying it's, this. It's better now that he's yellow as opposed to white. Mm-hmm. They made him really jaundiced. Yes. Yeah. And, the, and that really works. When they made him and white it, as a ghost, it was like, this doesn't work. But this works. It looks works. like he's uh, also lost a power of weight yeah. in his face. It's very subtle. And I don't think, well, maybe he has, but I don't think he's gone Christian Bale and the machinist on this. No, no. They've got, a really good, they've got a really good drag queen doing his makeup. Let's be honest. Somebody who really understands shading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a fantastic job. I love drag queens. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> now, what did that mean? <laughs> on Monday, Peter's in hospital. It turns out that he's not dead. It's a case of hypertension and hypoglycemia, I think. He hasn't Something been eating. Like right. So Carla has been there with him all night and even rescued his ring in case the paramedics had to cut through it if his finger had become but too not like swollen. That. Ouch. But not like that. His finger not got too his ring. swollen. Later, they're arguing whether prawn crackers are crisps. They're not. When a nurse comes in and announces that Peter has made it onto the transplant round, just one more round, then it's singing at Simon Cowell's house, and then it's the studio finals. It could take six months <coughs> or six hours. They just need to hope. Right. So keep your phone by you. So which which character on Coronation Street is going to give a piece of their liver to Peter, do you think? Well, wasn't Daniel going to do it? But he told Daniel he didn't want his liver. Don't blame him. No, it's got to be somebody like really far out there who's not associated with this family at all, who's not had any contact with Peter, who's just out in left field somewhere. How about Ruby and how about involuntarily? (laughs) Oh no, poor Ruby. We're organ harvesting. From children? Wow, this Mm -hmm. show got really... (laughs) They really Ozarked this show up, didn't they? (laughs) If you've been affected by the organ harvesting storyline. That's awful. Mm-hmm. It's awful. Because I believe that happens. Certainly in urban legends it does. People waking up in ice baths and stuff. Yeah, but that's just an urban legend because mm. you would be dead. <laughs> I would. Nobody wants your liver. Back home. <laughs> yeah, I'm almost done with it. <laughs> Back home, Carl is still excited by the news, but Peter is more pragmatic. He can't go month to month living on tenterhooks, and nor should she. Mm-hmm. He wants to carry on as normal, and if it happens, it, it happens. happens. And if it doesn't happen, I did. Ruby's just down the street. <laughs> you are horrible. <laughs> and that's as far as we get with that. I'm kind of glad that he survived this far. Hmm. It, it was kind of anticlimactic, though, wasn't it? 
Oh, you passed out because you haven't been eating. <laughs> right. There's this huge build-up for Daniel. Remember Daniel last week, he's checking his watch and can we hurry this up? Can we get this along uh, in, the, in the wedding? And they're rushing through their vows and they, they jump to the declarations and all uh-huh. that sort of stuff. And then they, they get home and he face plants onto the cobbles and they have to rush him to hospital and it's looking really, really grim. But by the end of the next episode, he's back home with his shawl and his jigsaw again. Well, it's like the last time Peter was at the hospital, remember, with the whole Steve thing where he's slurring his words and he can't stand up. And then like 10, 15 minutes later, he's conscious and, and talking mm-hmm. to Carla mm-hmm. and calling her bad names. Oh, well. Oh, dear. Our next storyline this morning is Rita's Golden Heart. Oh. On Monday, there's a weird conversation in the cabin between Maria and Brian to tell the viewers that Gary's getting sentenced today in another storyline and also that the cabin business has picked up now that Cathy's done a runner. And just when Brian thinks that things are getting back to normal, he gets a prank call for some, from some awards committee telling him that Rita has been nominated for a Golden Hearts Award. Go fuck yourself, says Brian, and he hangs up. <laughs> right, yeah, because they call her the wrong name. They call her Rita Sullivan. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think Brian's ever known her as Rita Sullivan. Right. And, you know, it just, it seems suspicious. That she's been called by her name 20-some years ago. Right. And <coughs> and also that she's been nominated for a Golden Heart when she hasn't done anything in in a long time. More implausible meat is put on these bones later at the Rovers when Jenny's on the phone to Rita, who has also caught wind of this award thing, but she, like Brian, assume it's a wind-up. Although Rita is now thinking that, mm, yeah, she didn't do enough for the community over the years. So she's starting to feel guilty about it. On Wednesday, Jenny's on her way to see Johnny when she's interrupted by Ronnie, who tells her a story about a poodle named Millie as he swings an empty cup around violently. Rita and Gemma are in the cabin chatting about the whereabouts of Cathy and the likelihood that Brian has killed her when <laughs> in walks a blast from the past. It's only bloody Sharon Bentley... Rita Sullivan, as I live and breathe, she says, don't shoot. And but Rita her, shoots. Her, her very, we haven't had a voice like this since Claudia left. It's a very darling's voice, isn't it? It is. It is. I've forgotten that her voice was like that. Ten Maybe pack a day like voice. Mm-hmm. It's like when uh, my dad was asked by his doctor how many he smoked in a day. Uh-huh. He said, I count it in lighters. Don't smoke, kids. Yeah. He used to light a cigarette and just let it burn down. But he would get through pack after pack after pack. Sharon sounds like she's had a life. And it turns out that she was the one what nominated Rita. Sharon says that she owes everything to Rita. And Rita casts up that she was the one who gifted Sharon the cabin. And then she tried to sell it from under her. Gemma has heard all about the Sharon stories. Yes. Sharon announces that she's cancer free and now wants to make things up to Rita. You owe me fuck all, says Rita, but Sharon thinks that her behaviour was unforgivable and she has plenty more to say in the matter. Rita needs a drink. So they go to the Rovers and catch up while Gemma's behind the bar and tipping off Jenny that this is going down because Jenny, remember, she's off to see Johnny. Right, and it's hilarious, that phone call, because you don't hear Jenny. But (laughs) as soon as Gemma says the name Sharon, you hear hear the dial tone. (laughs) Here she comes. Sharon's man left her for someone he met on the internet and then she asks about some names the Duckworths, Sally and Kev she reckons the girls must be in high school now not quite 
Because Rosie is, is she still in Japan? And Sophie is somewhere in Southeast Asia with, with Kate. Right. We assume. Yes. Curly. And then there's an ominous pause before she asks after Leanne. All in good time. All in good time. Mm-hmm. Later, Rita has gone home and Sharon is about to leave with a bottle of vino for the awards thing that's streaming in an hour when Jenny comes in and there's immediate tension. Jenny clearly hates Sharon and Sharon has no idea who Jenny is until Gemma <laughs> introduces her as another foster child of Rita's. Sharon is dismissive of Jenny and leaves to settle down for the awards thing, leaving Jenny seething that poor demented old Rita is going to be taken for a ride. So Jenny is quietly fuming in the beer garden when Ronnie comes in announcing that he met Sharon and she seems nice. Jenny calls her a middle-aged hag. She doesn't know what her fucking game is, but she intends to find out. Talk about chemistry. Okay, says Ronnie. Talk about chemistry. Jenny and Ronnie have some chemistry. And I mean, nothing's going to come of it because Jenny loves Johnny. But... And Ronnie's (laughs) married to that woman, remember? Right, yes. But still, it... The two of them together on on screen, sparks were flying there. You, they, oh, yeah. I was fanning myself down. Ooh, yes. Well, we've said this before about Ronnie. He's uh-huh. that kind of character, He's and a the charmer. actor is very, very good at uh, mm-hmm. selling this. Yes, where he wins people over just yeah. by his He's presence. Really He's, charismatic. He's, got, he's, he's really confident. Mm-hmm. That white jacket that mm-hmm. makes him pop out. He's quite tall. Right. Tall men are confident. And he ain't an ugly man, let's put it that way. He is not. He is easy on the eyes. And Jenny, she responds very well to this kind of flattery, doesn't she? She does, because remember, Scott used to flatter her a lot mm-hmm. too. And she lapped that up. Right. Because that little scene at the start where he's going on about the, the dogs, that was mm-hmm. Millie with an IE. Right. You think, what the point of that? really is but it does show a kind of there's a connection there between between the two of them that ronnie can make connections forever but right it works picking those signals up and right yeah just touching her hair and right jealous me oh Oh, yeah yeah see yeah yeah even that's better than saying (laughs) craig (laughs) nothing's going to come of it and yet even that's better than saying craig Mm -hmm. The relationship between this woman that we never saw and her dog. <laughs> that relationship is more believable. Uh, Inside, Gemma's balancing crisps on her boobs when Jenny goes over pretty much the same pattern. Sharon can't be trusted and it's up to Jenny and Gemma, possibly Amy and Addie, to find out <laughs> what Sharon, Sharon's up to and to protect Rita <laughs> at all costs. Yes. Turns out Rita didn't win the award and when Sharon goes back to the Rovers, Gemma and Jenny get torn into her questioner motives for returning and thinking that an apology makes up for all the shite that she caused. Why don't you just sling your hook? So Sharon agrees to do so, but leaves a little something behind for Rita. A cheque for £10,000. What? And Gemma and Jenny are confused. Who still writes cheques? <laughs> and she leaves a number on the back if Rita wants to get in touch. Later, Rita comes in and is interested to see the cheque, which Gemma reckons will bounce. Jenny and Gemma start bashing Sharn again, but Rita won't hear of it. She still has some marbles left, and everyone deserves another chance. So fuck you all, says Rita. Yeah. She leaves them to it. Yeah. 
I'm having problems with Sharon because I'm still thinking of the the heavy that was the um, the right hand woman of Rick the Chin. Who's also Sharon. Who's also Sharon. Yeah. So every time I see Sharon written down, I'm, I'm thinking about... That's Sharon, mm. yeah. On Friday in the cabin, Rita's having a go at Jenny and Gemma, who are apologetic about how they behaved with Sharon. Rita wants them all to get on. They're all her daughters, and so she books a table at the bistro for them all later. So Gemma and Jenny meet up with Sharon. Rita's in transit. Jenny is about to apologise, but Sharon stops her. She knows why they were suspicious, and she understands. They agree to put yesterday behind them, we're all Rita's daughters, so let's get wired into the vino. To long lost sisters. And they all kind of smile. Mm-hmm. Jenny, though, Jenny's still not buying this. Mm. And her suspicions are further aroused when Sharon announces that she wants to help with the burden of looking after Rita. Aren't you exactly the same character as Debbie Webster, says Gemma? How will you have time? <laughs> and then Sharon gets a text from Rita where we're asked to believe that this whole thing was a setup and she never had any intention of showing up or buying them lunch. Then Gemma gets an urgent text from another storyline and she has to leave them. Yes. So Rita phones Jenny and Sharon shouts on her to come join in and get another bottle and anyone would think that you didn't want to go home, says Jenny. And mm. Sharon kind of breaks down at this. She's nothing to go home for, so Rita decides to put her housecoat on over her jammies and join them in the bistro after all. Mm-hmm. So Rita turns up and listens to Sharon as she cries out of her nose, explain how shite that she has it now after the cancer and the husband and something to do with the business. She pretends that she came back for Rita, but really, she came back for herself. Rita falls for the bait and asks Sharon to move in with her for a few weeks. She could use the company, especially after the Paul and Kathy storyline. <laughs> Thank you, says Sharon. No, thank you, says Rita. No, thank you, says Jenny. Mm-hmm. Sharon has got her things together when she gets a call from someone that she's not wanting to hear from. She also looks quite an awful lot like Debbie Webster with the coat and, mm-hmm. the, and the bag and everything mm-hmm. rolling down the street. Right. Rolling with her homies. <laughs> In her suitcase. Mm-hmm. You'll get what you want soon enough. Sharon snaps down the phone and then hangs up. To a mysterious stranger on the phone. Now, is this Ronnie's wife that she's on the phone to? <laughs> or is it Elsa that she's on the phone to? Who is Elsa again? Elsa was Nick's wife. Oh, that's right, because I kept making frozen jokes when she was on. That's right. Was it his wife? Yeah. They owned a restaurant together. Yeah, and they were married. Because he had to get divorced from her, remember? Did he? Yeah. I don't remember anything to do with that. <laughs> what, what do you make a Sharon then? Back after, I think, 22 years. Right, yeah. So that's even longer than Debbie was off and then back on. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously she's up to no good. She almost had me fooled. Oh, did she? But, you know, I wasn't watching the show when Sharon was on 22 years ago. No, I vaguely remember her. Vaguely. When I was in preschool. (laughs) (laughs) When you were, what, 43? (laughs) What was that? I was 25. Yeah, I was 25. I was 25. I'm not sure I was watching much Corey at that point. Yeah, I didn't even have a television. Oh, did you have a transistor radio? Yes. Did you call it the wireless? No. No. And I had that big massive stereo with the CD with the five hundred disc CD changer. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Good times. <laughs> but no TV. Actually, no, I think I think at that point I had t- a TV, but we didn't have cable. We just would plop Nick in front of uh, Blue's Clues tapes. So the, the long and short of it Sesame is Street. you weren't watching Coronation Street 22 that's years ago. Correct. That's correct. That's where you're going I don't even know if there would have been a way in America to watch Coronation Street 22 years ago. I wouldn't have thought so. Because back then, even Doctor Who was just on PBS, if you were lucky. Mm-hmm. Nah, there's no way. No. Uh, maybe it wasn't even on in Canada at that point. Well, it's oh, no it's Canada. Be Canada. Oh, it was, I think, yeah, because uh, yeah. Christy P says that she but was But I wasn't living close enough to Canada at the time to get mm-hmm. Canadian stations. Right. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> we're old. <laughs> so, your thoughts. She is up to no good, but what no good is she right. after? I was very suspicious about the way that she went through all the names. Right. Because she was throwing names out almost like she knew what the answer was going to be. And then mentioned Leanne at the very end. Right. Or like she was just farming Now she and Leanne did have history. Ideas. Well, of course. Of course she did. But. But. Leanne disappears and suddenly Sharon arrives. Hmm. Debbie has seen the error of her ways. We need a new female baddie. They are so similar though. They they also kind of look the same. No, Sharon doesn't look like Annie Lennox. Well, from a distance. With your eyes half shut. At night. With a different haircut. (laughs) Their hair is the same colour. I will give you that. There we go, thank you. They don't even have the same voice. Debbie doesn't have a Ted Packaday voice. No. Debbie isn't a 1930s vamp. She's ready for her scene. She's ready for a close-up, definitely. Mr. DeVille. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of reminds me of uh, What's-Her-Face, uh, Kathleen Turner and Friends playing Chandler's dad. Are we allowed to talk about that now? It's a thing that happened. It did happen. And it was not. It was. it's not a thing that would happen now. Because it's kind of transphobic. Mm-hmm. Even, uh, um. Boilerplate, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> Even Haley would, wouldn't happen the same way now. They would have an actual trans actor play Haley mm-hmm. as opposed to a woman. You know. But that's probably only been but, true for the last couple of years, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and that was a that was a story that really was not transphobic at all. Haley was Haley and Roy were, I think, a rather well, triumphant storyline. There was plenty of transphobia going on in it, though. right? Yeah, Liz Battersby, I think, insisted on calling um, Haley by her dead name. Dead name, yeah. Harold. Oh, oh how far we have come! <sighs> right, <laughs> and how much further we still have to go. Uh, Shall we move on? Yes, please. Our next storyline is Seb the Goth. Yay! On, kinda. On, yeah, kinda. <laughs> I would say five, six, yay. Yeah. One, One six, six, nay. Mm. And even that, I, we'll okay. get to it. On Monday, Seb is dressed up as a goth, so he'll fit in with Nina's mates at the concert tonight. This has involved him back combing his hair and not getting any sleep. And we're and wearing all black. And having some makeup on, but he's still not. 
Abby reminds him that Nina knows what your normally looks like and invited them anyway, so don't sweat it. So Seb brushes his hair and gets some shut eye and goes to Roy's Rolls to tell Nina that he won't be going to the concert after all. It's not his scene. Understandably, Nina is miffed after the big deal that he made about it, uh, but he's worried that he's going to stand out. Welcome to my world, she says. Yeah, seriously. And she tells him that not only was there a gig ticket going, there was overnight accommodation too, if... You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Pig's tits, says Seb. <laughs> so later he admits to Abby that he bottled it, but admits that the band are actually pretty cool, if a little weird. Of course they are. So instead of going to the gig, he's got himself a takeaway. Abby distracts him with the old your shoelaces untie trick and steals his takeaway, calling it a Kahari intervention and telling him to get his arse to the gig after all. So Seb goes back to see Nina and tells her that he's changed his mind again, that he admits that he's a little terrified of her because she's so cool and confident and mm-hmm. he's not. She says that she's neither of those things, which makes her both of those things. Mm-hmm. He's worried that her friends will make fun of him and she tells him that she's not friends with that kind of person. And when the subject of the hotel comes up again, he blurts out that he's HIV positive and then instantly regrets it because it makes assumptions. She says that she knows that he's HIV and knows that his treatment means that they would that they could have unprotected sex. But they won't have unprotected sex because unwanted pregnancies and STIs and all that fun stuff. Right. Let's just go to the gig and see what happens, she says. <laughs> and this was just such a gloriously wonderful it was, scene. It was so cute and awkward and lovely. And again, just chemistry oozing from the screen. Mm-hmm. It's when she mentions unprotected sex and right. then realises what she's just said. Right. <laughs> we could even have unprotected sex, except, of course, Actually, pregnancy. We won't, we won't have unprotected no. sex. <laughs> and, oh, God. And just the, the, the fact that they're both so kind of blunt with one another about all of this stuff. It's nice It's nice for the show to remember that Seb is HIV positive, by the way. Right. He says... Um, that he's terrified of her and that mm-hmm. she's so cool and confident. Right. And when she says that she's neither of those things, she just became so much cooler and, and so, so much, much more confident, confident. <laughs> just by the way that she said it. Right. I was just saying, but you know, the simplicity of the lines sometimes right. Absolutely. really pays dividends. Right. But she started to come across like Ali Shidi out of the Breakfast Club <laughs> a little bit, which is one of my favourite characters until she gets herself all tarted up. Right. You know, because... Um, she says that her friends aren't the sort of people that would judge them. Right. Which is a total Ali Shidi out of the Breakfast Club kind of thing to say. Ali, Ali Shidi and the Breakfast Club didn't have any friends. But she said that if I did have friends, they wouldn't be the sort of people who would right. You know, look down on you. Right. I absolutely adored that scene. It was wonderful. It and was so good. And then Seb's when Seb walks away, away and he does like, Come on! Right. But he only does it once. And then he goes back to normal again. Yeah. He just lets out this kind of testosterone yeah. sort of celebration. Yes. But just very briefly. Right, yeah. Because too much of that would have been yeah. a bad thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, he doesn't do the whole breakfast club thing with the arm in the air. Right. As simple minds suddenly appear <laughs> with their instruments on the cobbles just to... Start playing. Play it, don't, don't you forget, you forget about me. Yeah, that was wonderful. <laughs> on Wednesday, the concert was... A wonderful success. Yes, yes, this concert. <laughs> this concert that's happening during a global pandemic mm-hmm. when the UK has like this really awful strain of COVID-19, which is so much more contagious and the pubs are still shut, although right, they're opening All right, soon. Betty News. <laughs> it's Neither- like the show keeps forgetting. 
Well, no, I, it's a variant of the of the, the well, maybe it was like an outside out. show. Nina's friends seem to have taken to Seb. Probably had low expectations, <laughs> and he's sitting in Roy's rolls with black painted nails or painted black nails, and reckons the lads are going to crucify him, which is quite the image. Uh-huh. Later at Roy's rolls, Nina and Abby got the be- hair for it. are becoming besties. Nina has shared a video of Seb dancing for what they presume is the first time ever. So when Seb comes in, Abby rips a picture out of him, asking if he can choreograph the first dance at her wedding. I imagine he's kind of like Elaine in, in Seinfeld. Don't know. I think he's just staring at his shoes. Does, does our fire alarm need a new battery? Our smoke detector? I don't know. You can't hear that beeping that keeps happening. No. Nina doesn't care about Seb's shoegazing and goes off to close up after she's invited Seb over for a coffee later, which allows Abby to voice her approval of this relationship. Seb doesn't want to fuck it up like he did with Alina, but Abby reckons the two couldn't be more different, calling Alina a game player. Is Alina a game player? Well, somebody (laughs) else calls her a supermodel at some point this week, which is also not a thing that is true. I... What do people on the street see when they look at Alita? It's like, oh, she has an accent, so she must be a slut who's also a supermodel. That happens to me all the time. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because it's It's true. true. It's true. Next, it's Roy's turn to tell Nina how much he likes Sebastian. Nina asks if it's okay if she invites him over for coffee upstairs. Roy promises to retire to his room with his headphones and Nina and Seb can have as much noisy coffee as they like. Then Nina asks if it would be okay if she made Seb coffee in the morning. And Roy goes to check to make sure they have enough coffee. you know what I mean. So later Seb comes along for that coffee and is very keen to get coffee in the morning. Nina hopes that this is the first of an awful lot of coffee. (laughs) On Friday, Seb is sneaking down the stairs although Nina doesn't know why as Roy is cool with all this. Right. In comes Roy and asks how their night was and then immediately retracts the question and changes the subject to Nina's birthday t- tomorrow and he's promised to go back watching with her. Seb wants to do something with her as well and they arrange to do something tonight instead. Which I quite liked that Seb wasn't trying right. to impose himself yeah. on pre-made plans that Nina well, has with, with Roy. Roy. Yeah. He's not like, no, well, let me go bad watching with you too. Mm-hmm. Why, why can't I go bad watching with you? <laughs> Later, Nina has made Seb a goth cupcake and delivers it to him as he's at the works. It looks like it has like little bat wings even. Mm-hmm. At the builder's it's yard. cute. Paul is there and provides some gentle ribbing, saying Seb's just stuffed his face with a curly whirly. <laughs> Seb says he has plans to cook Nina dinner, but Lena's back with Ty and he doesn't know how much longer he can put up with life there. It's been a day. Mm-hmm. And he can't move back with his mum because she's just got fucking rid of Tyrone. Uh, Tyrone's just fucking up everybody's plans <laughs> on the street, isn't he? <laughs> Right. Sharon's ready to move back in with Rita, but Tyrone. Is, no, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Back at Roy's Rolls, Nina's quizzing Roy about relationships. How do you know if you've met the one? Roy says that he's never subscribed to such a notion and reckons that love can creep up on you while you're making a sandwich. Nina thanks Roy for his hospitality to Seb and asks if he would mind if Seb stayed over on a more frequent, kind of permanent basis. Mm-hmm. So on their break, Paul and Ed are taking a piss out of Seb for going out with a goth. Paul encourages Seb to wear a black bag while he makes kissy faces and talks about goth cupcakes. Seb calls Paul an idiot, but seems to be quite enjoying the joke. Mm-hmm. However, unbeknownst to them, Nina is outside and sees all this and looks like her feelings have been hurt as she slinks away. Right. Uh, Seb calls Paul an idiot. Mm-hmm. 
He's wearing the black bag, but he's not. Which was a mistake, let's be honest. Putting on the black bag. It's not a great joke. No. Paul's a fanny. Mm-hmm. Seb should have known better. But still. It's, it's, this is not the, this is by far not the worst Nina has ever heard, even from people on the street. Oh God, no, and I think she says as much later. So upset, Nina rushes back to Roy's Rolls. Seb's just going to have to put up with Alina and Tyrone's noisy, weird sex because he ain't moving in with me. Not now, not ever. And blissfully unaware, Seb drops into Roy's Rolls and Nina tells him to get to fuck. Right, he's like, hey, where's my sandwich, woman? <laughs> she heard him and his mates rip the piss out of her. He calls it banter, but she points out that A, banter isn't an excuse. B, it wasn't him, it was about her. And C, he joined in. He says he's not that kind of person really and he's sorry. Know. And she says that he's been found out. And I was going to ask you to move in, she says. And she tells him to fuck off. Mm-hmm. And later, Roy makes it all better with the offer of a reasonably secure and sanitised hug. And a slice of chocolate cake the size of her head. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Yeah. I hope they get back together. Nina overreacted. She did. She did. Because Seb, she's there when Seb calls Paul an idiot. Mm -hmm. She hears that. If she heard anything, then she had to have heard that. Right. Seb was just standing there. And, and, you know, with him standing there in the black bag, Paul was really making fun of Seb. Mm Mm-hmm. Not Nina. And, do you know, I was going to say that I was a little disappointed in Paul. Yeah. But, again, I... I have worked in environments like that where people take the piss out of one another all the time and are really kind of shitty to one another. But it's just a joke. You know, mm. you, you can't take offense and you kind of have to join in just to survive. Um, so he's right as builders banter. Yeah, so I can. Yeah, it doesn't so make I it can, right, but no, it's true. It's, so it's not right, but it is. It is true, and it's true of a lot of workspaces that are predominantly male. Mm-hmm. So it could be worse. They could be shouting obscenities at right Alina, presumably because <laughs> everybody <by>. else is. <laughs> and yeah, it could. It could be much worse. But yeah, you'd think, you'd think Paul the homosexual, mm-hmm. who's who's dealt with, you know, homophobia for a good chunk of his life, mm-hmm. and Ed, the black man right. who's had to deal with racism for a good portion of his life, right. would be more sensitive. But mm-hmm. it's builders banter. Builders banter. Yeah. Do you think Nina was just worried it's just that locker room talk? Yeah. God. Oh God. He likes beer. Yeah, I like beer. Yeah. Um that was my break Kavanaugh impersonation. Um, sure. Do you think Nina was just maybe getting concerned? Because she says that, you know, she was taking things slowly with Asha, Asha but now she feels kinda differently about Seb. Seb and was I'm going to say rushing into things a little bit. We're getting them moved in. Right. And kind of looking for an excuse. With this maybe the other... slow it down. The other thing on her shoulder saying, oh, I'm going to look for a way to get out of this. And right. this is the first thing that presented itself. Before so I get do. myself really hurt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think maybe there's a bit of that. Because she did really go off in the deep end about it. Right. Because he didn't say anything bad no, about her. No, he didn't. He just stood there wearing a black bag. Mm-hmm. 
while the others made fun of him. And there was coffin remarks and undead remarks, I think, as well, wasn't there? Right. But that was, again, mostly Paul and Ed. Mm -hmm. Shall we move on? Yes, please. Our next storyline today is Tim's mum about the house. Yay! Okay. Okay. On Wednesday, Brian goes round to see Kathy at Yasmin's. Kathy will only speak to him through a crack in the door and isn't impressed when he says that the golden heart thing from another storyline is apparently real and that business has picked up at the cabin. Kathy thinks that this is just because she's in hiding and shuts the door on Brian. Later it transpires that Kathy has started ordering packages to be delivered to Yasmin's, doesn't know what they are and can't be bothered opening them up. Tim's mum suggests that maybe she's missing out on Brian's love and support. <laughs> Yasmin agrees, telling Kathy that she won the lottery. Don't throw away the ticket. Brian is winning the lottery. I'm not sure Brian has five numbers in the bonus ball, but... Brian has been very loving and supportive he of has. Kathy. He has. And he's sweet. And he he hasn't been in prison. <laughs> He's one of the few characters who haven't been in prison. So... He was, however... So he could date Craig. He he was, however, hoisted at a school nativity play by Phil the Prick. Right, and then vomited. vomited. That was a low light. (laughs) That was a definite low light. Brian sneaks back into Yasmin's to tell Kathy that no one's threatened to kill him so far today, so he reckons it's safe for her to come home. But Kathy wants to give it some more time there, just to be sure. Brian notices all the packages and Kathy is quick to blame Yasmin and Tim's mum. He promises to give Kathy space and time. She's keen to get rid of him before anyone sees them together inside at Yasmin's, which doesn't make any sense. Later, Kathy tells this to Yasmin and Tim's mum and that she wants to stay there until she can be sure the trolls have gone away. Yasmin and Tim's mum look at each other uneasily, yet more boxes seem to have arrived since we last spoke about it, one of which contains matching pink housecoats with Yasmin and Tim's mum written on the back. Kathy calls them the new golden girls. And that's I as loved fa- that. And that's as far as we get with Tim's mum about the house this how, week. How much do you love that, though? Can we talk about it before you play the theme tune? <laughs> then we talk about it. Yeah, so Kathy has a shopping addiction now, apparently. She's hoarding again. She used to hoard. Hmm. She seems to be Before doing my again. time. Yeah. yeah. I do love the whole Golden Girls reference. That was funny. That was funny, especially since Tim's mum is from a sitcom about people who are unlike one another, living together, kind of like the Golden Girls. That's all sitcoms, isn't it? No, because some of them are family sitcoms, and those people are kind of like one another because they're a family. Sitcoms need different characters. People that clash. Yes. Anyway. Which is why Tim's mum about the house works. Yeah, she's she's kind of treating it like her house now. Mm-hmm. Just started doing that very, very quickly as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I like, she likes just hanging out with Yasmin and just being the two of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, very much so. There's a lesbian relationship <laughs> I would, I would get behind one hundred percent. Yeah, I think we've mentioned the, the possibility of that before. Yes, she does seem very possessive about 
Yasmin. Jasmine and mm-hmm. the house, but particularly Yasmin. Yes. And they do share little looks at each other. Mm-hmm. As if to, you know, just checking what each other think about right. something. Yes. Which, again, shows a little bit of connection. And right. Dare uh, I say the word chemistry, chemistry? again. <laughs> More chemistry than Craig and Faye. Yeah. I liked, again. I liked the whole uh, Golden Girls thing. I liked the fact that she'd gone to the bother of getting them embroidered on the back. Right. She'd managed to get this turned around very quickly, but let's, yeah. let's just skip over that, shall <laughs> Especially we? during a pandemic when the post hasn't exactly been reliable, even in the UK, apparently. Amazon Prime. It's all Amazon Prime. Even Amazon Prime, there's been some things that have taken longer than a day to get to us. Like like that uh, bidet you still haven't installed. I like the Amazon Prime it's Right app, over there. How it tells you that you're three stops away. And you can watch it on the map in real time. Watch the, the wee truck appear. It's a bit much, isn't it? <laughs> well, you have to check within the five minutes before it's due to arrive to, to get any benefit from it, which means that I'm absolutely doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I do like getting things from Amazon Prime. Meh. Oh, I know it's a, it's a terrible company, but still. Yeah, good stuff. I think Kathy is, she seems to be falling into a very deep depression about yes. this. Yes. I think that's where mm. we're going with this one. Yes. That's really, again, that throwaway comment. Right. Which wasn't really all that shocking at the time. No. And <laughs> it's and, now having such an effect. And again, you know, trolling doesn't tend to last this long. People find other things to troll. So it, it's good. And they that, have. Yeah, it's good that it seems like things are quieting down a wee bit, but still. Uh, poor Kathy. It does require that the trolls that are involved in this have to keep up with everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. Like the lemon cake or whoever it was that built the deep fake of Kathy and how the police got involved and kind of suggests that whoever has been doing all this is someone that's in the know. Right, yeah, somebody who can, who's been watching the shop and sees that Kathy's gone. Mm-hmm. Is that Tracy? <laughs> anyway, our penultimate storyline this morning is Addy is the best character in this fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> and not just because he has our son's hair. God, he does, doesn't he? Yes, he does. <laughs> Get that cut. Oh, hair. I think I might have heard of that thing. <laughs> On Friday, Asha comes down the stairs with ITV Corey. Dev's late, uh, has already left for work. Addy's appalled, so ITV Corey decides to further appall him by dragging Asha back up the stairs for more action. He calls Addy Diddy Dev. No one calls Addy Diddy Dev. And lives to tell the tale. So Addy gets home from school to find that ITV Corey is making a sandwich. <laughs> Get my hole off your system, gives me the munchies, he says. So <laughs> Addy fucking lamps him. Breaking his nose. Well done, Addy. Yes. Brava. Brava. I thought he sold the punch incredibly well. He really did. Like he really did punch. It really, yeah. No, <laughs> that was in the face. <laughs> such a good actor. But I just, do they just, do the writers just sit around and like, okay, how much more slimy can we make ITV Corey this week? Because mm-hmm. he's just, he's gross now. Mm-hmm. When this poor kid first got on the street, he was not gross. 
there's there's like a painting of him somewhere, isn't there? In somebody's attic. attic. Yeah. <laughs> Looking fresh and young and, and, and hopeful. Yeah. Whereas he is Joanna Lumley's got it for some reason. <laughs> whereas no one's you know sure. this this high schooler now looks like he's a creepy old man. Yeah. He was always he was always kinda on the dodgy side. Yeah. Obviously with the whole sex and right thing and filming and stuff. But he seemed to have become redeemed. Right. Briefly. Right. I, it frustrates me that the show when he was looking his healthiest, I have right. to say. It frustrates me that the show is just keeps recycling this storyline over and over and over again for a whole year. It's like every time we think Asha is showing some growth as a human being, as as a teenager and getting some self-confidence back. They drag Corey back into the show. Mm-hmm. It's like, first of all, wouldn't he have, mo- have moved on to some other... Yeah, why is he so obsessed? Unself-confident girl, because I'm sure there's lots of them out there. You'd think he, again, like with the trolls, people like this move on. Mm-hmm. Once they've used you up, they move on. So why has ITV Corey not moved on? So Asha comes running down the stairs. What the actual is going on here? ITV Corey's left and Asha's trying to find out why Addy did it, but he refuses to say. And Dev comes in. He could hear them arguing like the Kardashians from down the street. Asha explains what happened. And Dev doesn't exactly look furious about the news. And at Asha's insistence, he grounds Addy. Whoop, whoop. Party at Addy's, says Addy as he goes up the stairs. And then sends Asha up the stairs as well to go to her room to study because she was dog in school. Yeah. And later and privately, Dev admits to Addy that he's been dying to wipe the smuggling of that Scott Disick wannabe. I don't know who that is. That's, uh... Courtney Kardashian's ex-husband, who is really greasy and slimy and awful. He directs Addy to the luxury crisps, but Addy must... But Asha must never find out. But sadly, Asha finds out immediately and realises that Addy is literally getting rewarded for twatting ITV Corey. She's had enough. She doesn't feel safe. She's off to live with her rat bastard boyfriend. Yeah. That's as far as that goes. It's ridiculous. A lot of parallels going on here with couples getting their hole and then moving in with each other this week. That seems to be the theme. Hmm. I don't like this. It, it's just... Again, it... Because this this particular storyline just keeps getting recycled over and over and over again, and there's 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 no payoff for the viewer. All it is is the anti uh, Nina and Seb. It's the mirror of that, right? And that would be fine if it was a new guy, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's the same old guy over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. That's boring. I'm looking and, forward to next week, though. And Asha is again just not showing any sort of growth as a character and that's really frustrating for an audience member to just be like why why are we doing this again mm-hmm. this is not interesting anymore this she'd this, learned a lesson this makes She's proven her naivety and immaturity by right. immediately unlearning that lesson right yeah and that's just it's not 100 percent believable and it's also just boring and it makes her the worst Alahan and that that should be Dev <laughs> although I think it's hilarious that he watches uh, Keeping Up with the Kardashians 
and mentions keeping up with the Kardashians, although he says Kardashians. Mm-hmm. Now that the show is is ending after like twenty years, well, Andy 20 was quite years. funny as well. Just he didn't really care about any of this. He just yeah. sat and eating his crisps. Yep. And yep. The kind of the yeah. Fine. Go fuck yourself. Our final storyline today is Alina on me on Monday. <laughs> when you're not strong. <laughs> right. Emma comes out of the flat to find Alina and Lucas chatting about haircut and how the leads he gave her for her uh, nail salon thing uh, weren't the best. Lucas asks I Luna, thought she said they were good. But she then he says that they're bad people for some reason. Right, yeah, like they're they're good, but don't rely on them too much because then they'll take from you or something. So it's like, why even? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Lucas asks Alina out, but she knocks him back. Emma thinks the two of them look great together and encourages Lena to text Lucas and tell him that she's changed her mind. And in unrelated news, Emma announces that she's going to be out of the flat for the day. Hmm. Alina gets her phone out and Emma thinks that Alina A has Lucas's number in it and B is following her advice. Meanwhile, Tyrone has had another rotten night on the sofa, but he cheers up when he gets Lena's text and he rushes off to get his hole, asking Fizz to go up the attic to get the block mattress for him. What a cheeky shite. Yeah. So Tyrone is getting his hole when the phone in his jeans pocket goes. Uh, and so obviously he goes to answer it as Emma comes in to get her lunch Alina comes out in her house coat and Emma assumes that Alina's getting her hole off of Lucas so giggles and runs away leaving her to it because Tyrone is hidden behind the couch 1970s comedy fashion behind the couch right without his pants on Tyrone asks Emma without his trousers on to continue believing that she's pegging Lucas it's not fair on the kids to find out about him and her when he's still living with his Alina just wants to be a normal couple. Soon, promises Tyrone, we'll tell the world soon, which Mm. is the mating call of the bastard. (laughs) Maria is in the Rovers when Alina comes in and Emma makes the announcement that Alina got a hold of a Lucas. (laughs) Alina asks them both to keep this between themselves. Emma and Maria agree, although Maria knows that Alina is lying because she gave Lucas a haircut. At least a haircut Mm -hmm. earlier. Yes. So she goes round to see Fizz to spill the beans, but ends up caught in Fizz's ramblings about what Tyrone wants. And I'd she's forgotten. not sure anymore. And she maybe said that that he could maybe get back in her bed, maybe. And he said maybe that they could fight for the relationship, maybe. Which is not exactly how that conversation no. went at all. I'd forgotten that Maria works at the barbers. <laughs> Maria ignores Fizz grasping at straws and agrees that it's uh, a very short sofa. Instead, she goes to see Tyrone and explains that she knows about him and Alina getting their hold off of each other. Either you tell Fizz or she will, because it's not fair letting Fizz think that there's hope when there is none. And reluctant, Tyrone agrees. So on Wednesday, Tyrone is round at Alina's with some news that he thinks is monumental. If he doesn't tell Fizz about the two of them, Maria's going to. Well, tell her then, says Alina. Jeez. Yeah, seriously. Fizz stops Emma on the street, and despite the fact that they have little contact with each other, Fizz asks about the goings-on in her flat. Emma tells her that Tyrone is old news as far as Alina is concerned, and Alina is currently buffing young Lucas from the factory. Fizz is quietly amused by this. And then she and Emma agree on men being shit. Meanwhile, Tyrone is procrastinating with Kev, who thinks that he should be getting Fizz told right now before Maria beats him to it. Wise words from Kev. Mm -hmm. Then Alina phones him to chase him up and isn't distracted when Tyrone mentions that he's booked him a hotel for the night in Nutsford to escape this nonsense. Nutsford. Nutsford is a motorway service station on the M6. Nutsford. Mm -hmm. Well, that amuses you. (laughs) Nuts. These nuts? 
He's about to go tell Fizz when he learns of a breakdown, so he talks Kev into letting him grab the van and Tom Petty's greatest hits and go and take care of it while he rehearses his I lines. I love that. Get, it's got a Tom Petty CD in it. Which one? Oh, it's the greatest hits. Oh, All right, okay, do. that's fine. Kev thinks he's rearranging the deck chairs and he's right about that as well. Mm-hmm. On home, the Titanic even. Mm-hmm. At home, Fizz relays the Lucas story to Chesney and then gets an email notification from the hotel website. Fizz is confused. She doesn't think that Tyrone has taken her away, but she thought that he and Alina were over. Poor Fizz. What gives? This is not the... This is the first of two horrible things that happens on her phone this week. Right. So she goes round to the garage and starts quizzing Kev, who's wearing a face that says, keep me the fuck out of this. <laughs> but Fizz tells him about Lucas and the hotel and how she doesn't know if she can trust Tyrone anymore if he doesn't want to get back together. I'm sure it'll all work out soon enough, says Kev, as non-committal as he can sound while praying for the ground to eat him whole. Which reminds me that I think the sinkhole is still a thing. Is it? Later, Lucas is talking to Lena about Romanian football players when Fizz storms over and basically calls Alina a whore for sleeping with Lucas. <sighs> Lucas makes his excuses and leaves just as Tyrone comes back in the recovery van to find two women pissed off at him. Mm-hmm. You promised you'd tell her, says Alina. Yes. Fizz puts two and two together. How could you, she asks, clearly operating on a different set of assumptions for the last couple of weeks. She storms off home, Alina telling Tyrone to go after her. So he does. And he apologises for how Fizz found out. Fizz thinks that he's been fooling around behind her back. Have you been in our bed? She demands. Ty says that he's not that he's not even sleeping in their bed. And now Fizz knows why. And Tyrone has been leading her on with moving back in the therapy. No. But he points out that he moved back for the girls and it was her idea. Right. And she ambushed him with the therapy, which was her idea as right. well. Both things are true. Yes. <clears throat> We're not a couple anymore, he says. I've done nothing wrong. She doubts that, and then it comes out that in addition to Kev, Maria knows about him and Alina. She explains that uh, she, he explains that she was the love of his life, but they've grown apart. She agrees, but felt that he stopped loving her. She's a working mum, a real woman, and she apologises for sleeping in pajamas and not a sex sexy negligee, because clearly what she is isn't enough. While they talk and argue and decide who's most to blame, Hope is on the stairs, quietly listening to all this. Poor Hope. Emma is consoling Alina in the community garden. Alina feels bad about how it all worked out, and even though Ty did the running, she'll be the one to get the blame. She's right yep. about that. Yeah, she is. Right on cue, Maria comes along for a blame lesson on Alina. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Later, Ty is moving in at Alina's. Alina doesn't seem so sure, and will need to check with Emma and Seb, but Ty suggests that they go to that hotel in <clears throat> Nutsford and avoid it all for the night. Wah, wah. And this seems to cheer Alina up, that she's worthy of a hotel in a town famous for its motorway services. And it's nuts. <laughs> Ty also seems to take Alina by surprise. That's what that noise is. It's this table chugling. I think it's also the battery, though. Ty also seems to take Alina by surprise by telling her that he loves her. And kind of guilts her and it's saying that she feels the same. Right. Maria goes to see if Fizz is okay, but Fizz isn't happy to see her, reckoning that Maria has betrayed her. Thanks to Maria, Fizz has made a spectacle of herself. Fuck off with you, says Fizz. And then she sees a cheery Tyrone and Alina jump into a taxi, chattering and giggling loudly about not needing no pyjamas. Yeah, that was rather crass to be shouting that, like, Uh in public. Mm -hmm. That's not the only time that they do that this week. Ugh, so gross. On Friday, Chez drops in to see Fizz, this time without washing. She's a bit melancholy and hugging one of Tyrone's American t-shirts. He dropped the kids off at school, that Ches that is. Ruby was oblivious, but Hope was asking lots of questions, so Fizz decides that she and Tyrone will try 
once again to explain the lay of the land to Hope. And Ruby. <clears throat> Ty comes in to collect more of his stuff. Fizz initially thinks it's Chez, but Chez only comes in the back door. But not, <laughs> not like, like that. that. She passively aggressively. Obviously, because they have quads now. She pa- <laughs> Maybe you should have come in the back door, Chesney. Maybe that's what you should have done. Maybe that would have been the responsible thing to do. And then you wouldn't be like having to depend upon your future mother-in-law to pay the bills and doing your washing at your sister's house. <laughs> I don't think Coronation Street is really geared to deal with this sort of... This sort of storyline at 7.30 at night. Anyway, she passively aggressively asks how his dirty getaway was and then tells him that they need to speak to the girls together. He wants to wait until he gets a place sorted out, but Fizz is hearing none of it and looks at him like he's a fucking Zuma for even uh, asking. Tyrone is done packing when Hope comes in. She ran away from school because she was sad. She asks if Tyrone is going to live with his new girlfriend like Mummy said. Then she asks if he loves his new girlfriend more than her. She's got a fucking name, Hope. You can use it, says Tyrone. No, he doesn't. (laughs) Hope says that she hates Tyrone and then runs up the stairs. Talk to them together, says Tyrone. You've already poisoned her against me. And he storms out. Which is not true. So he and his bags go round to Alina's where Emma is put out to see that Ty looks like he's moving in. It would have been nice to have been asked. He promises to look for some place of his own. Yeah, it's weird because it seems like Alina has talked to Seb. But not Emma. But not Emma. Where, but yet, she's been in more scenes with Emma this week than Seb. So she's had plenty of time <laughs> mm-hmm. to talk to Emma. Hmm. Yeah. So he's promising to look for a place of his own because he doesn't want Alina to get any heartache off um, her flatmates. And then he asks Alina if she wants to move in with him when he gets his own place. I don't know, says Alina. And then she says, "Of course I do." Because this is what passes for humour in Romania and Tyrone looks like he's just realised that he's so far into this mess now he kind of has to see it through. Later, Fizz finds out that Hope overheard the conversation yesterday. Hope worries that this is all her fault. Then Chess comes in through the back door again. Dirty (laughs) bastard. With more fucking washing. Fizz will call Tyrone to come round later and in the meantime she can go and play with Joseph who still exists. Fizz is outside her front door. And had a... a a funny tummy this morning, but it's feeling better now. Fizz is outside her front door for plot reasons, trying to get a hold of Tyrone on the phone when Chesney comes rushing out his house and he takes Joseph to hospital. It seems Hope went berserker and broke Joseph's arm. Come on, Hope. Hope is a better supervillain than Gary. <laughs> yes. Fizz goes to the garage to see Ty, but Ty is taking the day off. Fizz asks if he's with Alina, but Abby doesn't know. Take care of yourself, she says. Tyrone and Alina are cheerily walking down the street talking about how many times they're going to get their hold of each other when an angry fizz descends. It seems Tyrone has uploaded his photos from last night to the family album. Uh-oh. Wait! <laughs> and he's so apologetic. <laughs> because they had a hot tub, didn't they? Fizz explains about Hope lamping Joseph because he told her that Ty doesn't love her anymore and she wants the two of them to go talk to her. Tyrone is unsure because he has plans with Alina and plus Hope pushed him away and plus Fizz is better dealing with Hope uh, when she's like this than he is. 
Fizz and Ty continue to have this competition to see which of them is the worst parent. While it's Alina, Ty. While Alina stands there and pretends that she doesn't follow the conversation because they're speaking too quickly. It's not a Ty, it is Ty. <laughs> Tyrone is the worst parent in this storyline. I don't think Fizz is much better. But she is better. But then again, they've always been horrible parents. Remember when they uh-huh. agreed uh-huh. to let a sociopath back in their lives just to make Hope happy? Hi, yi yi. Evelyn can't come home soon enough. I know. Later, Tyrone tries to apologise to Chesney on the street, but he's very firmly Team Fizz, understandably, and he points out that Hope overheard him arguing, so this wasn't Fizz's fault. Ches also doesn't think that hearing Ty admit that he's a lying, cheating scumbag will help Hope's mood now. So Ty goes back to Alina's and complains to her about his ex-girlfriend and his ex-girlfriend's brother, and Alina does her best to pretend that she gives a solitary fuck about any of this. Absently, she tells him that he should be there for his kids. Yeah. And then for some reason... Alina is the most mature person in the storyline. Can I just point out that Alina, the youngest of them, is the most mature person in the storyline. I agree, and I think it's because of maybe a lack of understanding the nuance of the language. But he is constantly descending on that flat to bitch and moan about Fizz mm-hmm. Which can't be much fun for her to listen to. No. It's like, what is he doing? No. Mm. Mm. So then, for some reason, Ed turns up to say that he's sorry to hear about Fizz and Tyrone. It's the kids that kept me going through the hard times. Kids and gambling, he says. <laughs> Fizz opens up to this stranger about how unfair the whole thing is and how Ty uh, gets to start again and she doesn't. The girls are all that matter, says Ed. The girls in gambling. <laughs> and the reason for Ed's visit becomes apparent when Tyrone goes to open the door and finds that the locks have been changed. Ha ha! Fizz opens the door and Ty, I think quite rightly, points out that he should know about stuff like that because it's his house. He wants to see the girls, but she refuses to let him. They're in the bath and I don't want them upset, she says. He wants to tell them that he loves them, but Fizz says that she's already done that for him and then she slams the door in his face. Yeah. And that is how we end this week's episode. Neither one of them are handling this very well. No, I I think it's pretty much... Tyrone is especially just horrible. That's pretty much a demonstration of how not to... I'm glad he hasn't worn that MSU t-shirt. It would besmirch the name of Sparty. Oh, I forgot about that. I think other people have besmirched the name of Sparty. <laughs> kind of famously. Thankfully, nobody in the UK knows anything about that. Yeah. Don't Google it. <laughs> or Vogel it. You can Vogel it. If you, if you type in Vogel.co.uk, it takes you to our Podbean podcast provider site. Yeah. So. <clears throat> That's brilliant. I kind of like that. I think it used to go to ITV, but they seem to let the um, the ownership of that slip, hmm. which never happens. When you buy a URL, you just you just keep on you doing it, f- it. Yeah, you own it forever, unless you sell it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh well, not anymore. They'll have to buy it back from us. Twenty quid. <laughs> More than twenty quid. Thank you very much. I have a feeling he's not going to wear that MSU T-shirt. No, of because, course not. Uh, and I thought about this afterwards. It's because it's got a um, branded character on it. So they'd have to pay Michigan State University to be able to use that T-shirt. Just think. I think we should have gotten like a generic Michigan, like yeah, Great maybe. Lakes sort of T-shirt or something. Oh, we can't send another one, can we? Not yet. <laughs> Let them forget about that one. 
you know, one of these days in an estate sale or something, I'll find like a like an old kind of faded generic Michigan T-shirt and send it along. Yeah. Win them over with a second-hand T-shirt. Well, that's the way to do it, isn't it? <laughs> sure. So, yeah. He's not even worth that second-hand T-shirt. Not at the moment. <laughs> no. <laughs> a thank and you again, card would have been nice. They're, <laughs> they're moving in. I'm talking about moving in together. Very quickly. And Alina at least has the decency to kind of hesitate about this. Yeah. Until Tyrone uh, gives his big puppy, puppy dog, dog eyes. eyes. <sighs> me a cook. Men. Mm-hmm. You all suck. We are awful. You are. <laughs> you are. I'm glad you can admit it. But Fizz isn't really handling this the best either. And she she's, has been very passive aggressive. She's really in denial here. Mm-hmm. You know, because she seems to have forgotten that Tyrone and Alina were a thing, but they weren't really a thing. You know, he kept insisting we weren't really a thing. It was just a kiss. Although he told her even before he got his hole off of her that he loved her, mm-hmm. which was weird. <sighs> I expected better of Fizz, mm-hmm. but I can also kind of understand you're in a relationship for a long time. You have kids together, sort of. You know. You've you've gotten into this into this place of of comfort mm-hmm. that this is always going to exist, and then you have the rug pulled from underneath you in this way. You know, I, it bothers me because a lot of the stuff that they're saying, well, we've fallen out of love with one another because we're not knocking boots every night. It's a really immature view of love and marriage. Right quite frankly, puts it up on like this weird ideal. And yet we see relationships on the street that are healthy marriages or healthier marriages Mm -hmm. where people are not. I mean, Jenny and Johnny are obviously not having sex at the moment right? because Johnny's in prison. Ed and Aggie aren't having sex at the moment because she's on the screen. Right. You know, it's, I don't know. It's 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 weird that they keep you know pushing this. Oh well, she doesn't wear makeup anymore, so I've fallen out of love with her. Right. Sort of thing. It's just it it shows the immaturity of both characters, which I don't think we've well we've kind of seen because they're very immature parents and let hope walk all over them. Correct. So really, <sighs> Toya's therapy session really stood no chance of success. No, well, maybe if she hadn't tried to do it in the bistro. And that was this week's Coronation Street. I rather enjoyed it. That was good fun this week. It was all right. There are some good bits. We got Addy. Addy was funny and yeah. Yeah. We love Addy. That's all we need. Addy is the number one Alahan and he always will be. Your moment of the week. I have two options. I have two options. My option number one is Seb and Nina talking about his HIV. And and then Seb doing his, his, uh, his, his... Breakfast club thing. His breakfast club thing, yeah. His and horizontal then, breakfast club thing. Right. And the second thing is Addy Lamping, Lamping, ITV. Yeah. ITV and those Corey. are both my two choices for a moment of the week. Oh, Sophie's Choice. Uh, Sophie's Choice. Uh, Sophie in Southeast Asia. <laughs> what was your moment of the week? <laughs> what was our moment of the week last week? It was 
Oh, was uh, the wedding. Yeah. Carla and Peter's wedding. Mm -hmm. Wow, that was memorable, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, uh, there's speculation that Carla's dress was modeled after uh, one worn by Meghan Markle. Markle. Yeah. They they, they do look similar. Mm -hmm. I feel like we've given it to the Allahans and we've given it to Nina a lot. (laughs) We've given it to both of those people a lot. I don't think that we've given it to Seb ever I'm sure we have I don't think we have I can't think of a single time I think I think there was a time when he and Abby made up that we gave it to him oh maybe um it really feels like we need to give it to Addy though because that just that gave me more joy Mm mm-hmm as much as I love Seven Nina, the fact that Seven Nina kind of fell apart by the end of the week kind of tarnishes that that good moment. So let's just give it to Addy punching the shit out of ITV Corey. I was only disappointed that he didn't continue to stamp and kick him when yeah. he was down. Beat him up some more. He really pulled it that that could not have been an easy scene to choreograph. And it was really well done, and it was believable that he made contact with that. Oh, one hundred percent. He yeah. hit him, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's really broke his nose. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, so that's our moment of the week. That's our boring moment <laughs> of the week. I'm kind of doing that deliberately. Right? Yes, that's you so are. It's kind of getting old. Of the week. Our moment of the week. Your boring moment of the week. Hmm. <laughs> Brian. <laughs> Talking Kathy's boxes to Maria, no, because it the Kathy's boxes kind of had a good payoff with the pink robes. Okay, Brian and Maria talking exposition. Gary playing hide and seek with his son. There we go. <laughs> we got it in the end. Because <laughs> for a while I didn't realize that that was Jake. His hair's lighter. I honestly can't remember what he looks like. But that is not what I thought he looked like. So His like, hair's lighter. Who's this random wee boy that, that Gary's got? Did they recast that kid? I don't know. I need to check. <laughs> anyway, that's our... Boring moment of the week. A boring moment of the week. Right, I've got a kid to take to soccer. soccer practice. I am such a yes. soccer mom. You are. If, yes, the kid with Addy's hair. <laughs> if you're thinking about having a whoop whoop party at Addy's, we'd love an invitation. We're the talk of the street at gmail.com. We're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and we're on ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street if you want to buy me and Helena coffee. That's ko-fi.com. Please. Please check out the other stuff page of vogel.co.uk <laughs> <laughs> and on our Twitter bio for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. If you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or on the podcast provider of choice. If you know what I mean. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode and we will be back next week with more I'll talk on the street talk on the street bye bye